This is where Atlanta soul at this particular point in time, hip hop rolls meets the Nashville sound. And hits everywhere in between. Ellen Fitz talking music. L. Talkin. And Fitz. We are back with the most creatively named podcast in all of the land. L. And Fitz talking music. We're back. We're back. We're back. We're back. It's Ellen Fitz talking music. Jason Fitz, L. Duncan. And, uh, we, we, uh, it's, it's time, you know, El, I think you and I are famous for our beef. You, you and I. Yeah, we hate each other so, so much. much. So much beef, yeah. really. Um, like it's the Wendy's double quarter stack yeah. pounder with cheese. Sure. Beef, I don't know. Or, or any fast food company that would like to sponsor Ellen Absolutely. Fitz talking Shake Shack just opened in West Hartford. Oh, We'd love to talk about you. I, tra- I tried to go to Shake Shack. The, the line was out the door and it around the corner. Is. Couldn't do it. Couldn't yeah. do it. Be even bigger if they sponsored Ellen Fitz talking music. Anyway, uh, we, beef is everywhere. And, you know, we've, we've learned to love it in the NBA. Uh, we've learned to love the petty in the NBA of guys going at each other and everybody yelling at each other, especially during the NBA finals, which, uh, hasn't given us a lot of necessarily entertaining things to talk about other than will Kendrick Perkins pull his leg back or be the rude guy that's like in the exit row stretched out and you need to walk over him yeah. to pee. Like he won't move. I'm on the window seat. Kendrick Perkins is on the aisle. Yeah. He won't move the legs out the way. I got to decide if I'm going to do the weird, awkward hop over, mm-hmm. uh, which by the way, when I do, I like to do that. Facing the person. Okay, I was gonna say, are you butt face? You know, do you no, put your butt in their face or frontwards? If you're gonna be so rude that you won't move your legs so I can step out, I'm going to make sure that we make eye contact. Gotcha. And I slowly move my crotch over your legs. Full frontal. Like, yeah, yeah. This, we're gonna like make it, it awkward. See, that's petty. That's what we've been used to. But petty has now dripped into our other favorite world again. In the music world, and let's face it, that's one of the best things about hip-hop, is that everybody, there's always the chance for petty somewhere, and uh, they've given it to us. They certainly have. And listen, let's preface this by saying it's always great in hip-hop when the when the the petty and the beef gets us entertainment value, but does not end in someone being murdered, right? (laughs) That's a generational difference. Correct. When I was a kid, you know, when I was a kid. When I was a kid. Drive-by. Now it's, uh, I'm going to talk about your girl in a rap, and everybody's going to get really upset. Yeah, Drake and Pusha T. And it's amazing the amount of people that have just figured out who Pusha T is. I mean, I've known him for a long time. He's a member of Clips, and um, and which is a group that's been associated with Kanye West for many, many, many years now. Um, I'm good is one of my favorite songs, like oh, yeah. summer songs, just a great, is it anyway, a what people jam. don't know. Yeah. And so they've got like these kind of, you know, grinding people might know clips from grinding. So they do have an element of, of some commercial success, but what Pusha T is kind of known for is his ability to absolutely flame and shred, right? Like not necessarily on the mainstream scale. He's become more mainstream because Drake decided um, that he was going to go after him a little bit. And I think that what Drake said was obviously disrespectful, as any beef should be. But, you know, Drake's over here like, I'm upset with you, Pusha. And Pusha just came with like a flamethrower and put it like six inches from Drake's face and just annihilated him. Talking about his producer who has multiple sclerosis. Talking about <laughs> him knocking up a, a porn star and that he has an illegitimate child that he won't. Uh, claim and talking about his father, talking about his mother. I mean, he really and truly went there, which I I sort of respect. Like, so you know, you have to deep uh, deep dive into my childhood. My mom has always been that person. Like, whatever that line is in an argument. Like, if you know that you're you're the girl you're dating has like body issues. Like the way I was raised, if my mom knows that about somebody. 
that her first insult when you get into an argument is you're fat. Like that's where she starts and then we go from there. So I respect going straight for it. In fact, my, uh, my first fight is a little kid, fifth grade. You know, we're back in the little concrete and it's that woman well, to meet you here and I'm going to kick, kick your butt. The kid was much bigger than I was, but I grew up with an older brother and in a pretty, like we were, we were pretty intense house, right? So I walked up to the, the cement, walked through the people and I, I just, hauled off and hit the guy in the nose and I broke his nose and blood going everywhere. And I was like, well, that's how you fight. If we're going to go at a hip hop battle, I want that. All right. There's a little piece of this where I don't want you to be subtle. But I don't want you to be around. Be the some escalation, there's no foreplay. Though, there is no foreplay Why? in a hip hop battle. Because it's more fun if there's some escalation. Like you can't go from someone being like, hey, buddy, and putting a finger in their face to you cutting their throat. I mean, there's got to be some kind of middle ground. No, it's- no, no. You go straight for it. Like, I don't want like first and foremost, we have to look at who who starts all this like drake and i've never hidden the fact that i'm not i'm not bouncing up and down every time i get the chance to hear a drake track it's not it's like drake does not move my soul there's not some great thing about you know aubrey the canadian uh, child actor that's become all hard like i just i have a hard time buying into it like i would have respected drake more if it would have been a whole track of your mama jokes like that would have been more on point to the brand of more how speed. i perceive perceived drake but if you're going to dip your toes in those waters if you're going to go after the big boys then you better have your hands up and get ready to get that butt whooped and that's kind of what happened it i mean it really was again i (laughs) it was i think because you know i think drake you know got his you know what up because he had a beef with meek mill um a couple of years ago now i believe it was two years ago now he had a beef with him and like that thing escalated Right. Like it started out like, OK, we're you know, we're dancing. We're doing a couple jabs back and forth. And then Drake eventually delivered the knockout blow. Um, And so I think maybe he thought he was broaching that same kind of territory. Like I truly believe that Drake had some more things in the chamber and he was like, OK, I'm going to wait for Push's response and then I'm going to end him with, you know, I'm going to counter. My counter is going to be the knockout punch. What he didn't know is that Pusha T was going to amputate both his arms. <laughs> And then just not allow him to have any kind of counterpunch to what he did. Um, my question for you is, when you are talking about children, when you're talking about illness, did he go too far? Probably. I mean, yeah, when you when you start talking about people's illness and when you start talking about kids in general, like that, that I don't have kids, but even I can look at it and be like, you know what? I've said this a million times. Uh, you can you can come at my wife and and I'll roll my eyes depending on what you say. I mean, I did go off at Clemson fans notoriously and tell them all that I actively root against their football squad because, frankly, many of them on Twitter uh, decided to start tweeting that they hope my wife got raped and killed because they didn't like my Clemson takes. Yep. There was a line for me. Sure, I did go for that. But you, if like if you don't like a picture of my dogs, then I hate you. Like so, there's there's a line for me on my like we all have a line. Whatever that line is, my line is like don't make fun of my puppies. They're glorious and they're beautiful. All right, so uh, I think there has to be a line when you're talking about kids. When you're talking a little bit, about, the MS thing is the one that really like multiple sclerosis is. Uh, that's hard. That, yeah. that's, that's it's hard to find any entertainment value in that. Yeah, like think of it this way. In my mind, if we were all sitting around while this was being written, because let's admit it, none of this is just spit off the top of their head. So while they're writing it, and they're all sitting there and they're bobbing their head in the studio. If you were sitting next to your buddy and he's writing this, and then you hear some of the these, these lines come out, there's the lines where everybody goes, "Oh, that's what we're looking for." Then there's lines where we're like, "No, no, no, man, you can't." You, you can't, you can't do that. Like, you sure you want to go there? Like, and that's exactly where Pusha went straight. I mean, he definitely went straight for the jugular. Was it too far for you? Um, listen, I think in the parameters of rat beefs, probably not just because that's the, listen, you said it yourself. Like, if you're trying to win 
um, a, a match of of words, right? Like the best way to win said match is to go scorched earth. Like how can you come back from something like no, there is not, there is almost nothing that Drake can say at this point, even if Jay Prince hadn't stepped in and said, squash this and don't respond. Um, I think he kind of saved him in that regard um, because there's almost nothing that Drake can say short of like also digging up an illegitimate child by a porn. Like there's nothing he can say at this point that can actually match what Pusha did. So in the parameters of winning something and owning something and having like shaking the core of hip hop or whatever, Pusha T did what you're supposed to do. I mean, again, like you talk about wives like Tupac, hit him up. I always consider, you know, Ether's up there, too. But I always consider um, hit him up as to be one of like the most egregious uh, diss tracks of all time. And I mean, like he didn't tiptoe around. He's like, I effed your wife. You know, and unfortunately, that is a, you make a good point because like I laugh, <laughs> but see, I laugh at that. Like I laugh at that when I hear that. I la- I don't know why I laugh at that. I hear the MS thing and I'm like, come on, man. But I hear the I after your wife and I'm like, <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, like, he got her, yeah. <laughs> you know, but again, it just depends on what the line was for you. And that was the line for Biggie. Right. That was the line. You don't get to have a lookalike in my video. You posting pictures even before like the Internet pictures are being released in the magazines of you hanging out with my wife. And you said it. You said you effed my wife, and it, it unfortunately probably got Tupac killed. I mean, it did. Um, I, I should not be laughing. I'm not laughing about that part of it. It is just funny the way you say it. It is spectacular. <laughs> it just was just like there's no innuendo. Kyrie, can we do a diss track for, let's say, like the Fantasy Focus podcast maybe? Uh, like fantasy football, we'll go after one of them. Yeah. But can we call it "You Effed My Wife"? And then we'll yeah. just we'll go we'll we'll go straight at like yeah exactly you know uh, yeah, you know field. what's better than berries D's. It's Ellen Fitz talking music. Jason Fitz, L. Duncan. Ah, uh, shots fired, these Mackie fields, Barry. These fields, Field Yates. Of course, that's uh, these these that's fields. That's what we meant, of course. Uh, field Field Yates. Uh, Ellen Fitz talking music. Uh, let Let's keep the conversation about beef going and go to our first guest for the day. You hear him on Hot ninety seven New York City ninety eight seven ESPN New York basically everywhere. Complex, the Cheap Heat podcast. Peter Rosenberg joins us on Ellen Fitz talking music. Thanks for some time, man. We appreciate it. So uh, you've had a little bit of time to digest the Drake versus Pusha T <laughs> battle. Uh, where are you on it now? Mm, yes, I've certainly had some time to digest it. Um, at this very moment, I, I believe it's over. I, I, I didn't think that would be the case, but. Um, I do believe that's the case. Much like the NBA Finals, it has come to an early exit. Peter, I was trying to like talk about with Oh, Fitz. no, no. Sorry, guys. That's my dog wilding out in these streets. He still feels very strongly that Drake should respond again. <laughs> He's very upset. I was trying to like kind of talk about the situation with Fitz, and I was likening what we saw here to someone coming over and setting off some, like, firecrackers in your front yard and you deciding in retaliation that you're going to napalm their neighborhood. I mean, have you seen a beef escalate this freaking quickly ever? Um, This quickly, I don't know if I've about in terms of the length, I'm not sure, especially because, you know, back in the day, um, everything was different because the amount of time it would take for something to come out, you know, it was like take forever. Um, I do like the analogy. I mean, I can't, here's the thing, though. I'm assuming you're saying Drake set off the firecrackers and Pusher responded with the napalm. Correct. Is that what you're saying? 100%. Yes, 100%. Yes. 
Yeah, I guess I don't necessarily, I don't see quite like that. It would be more like someone set, someone set up firecrackers, but then at the end, they sent like one Molotov cocktail. Because <laughs> I, think that, I think that Drake mentioning his, his lady's name, while it was much more benign in retrospect, because it really, it didn't end up amounting to that much. The principle of like, hey, let's bring up family stuff. Was the tone was kind of set, um, and then it's really interesting when you look back on it now. Given a couple of weeks to let it breathe, you realize that not only did Drake do that, not only did he really escalate it a lot from from what Pusha did, because what Pusha did on his album, while really good, was sort of subtle. Drake really blew it open. On the on the Duppy freestyle, and not not on top of that, at the end was like, you know what? Let me do this little um, invoice and put it up on social media. Also, um, now granted, that wasn't the same thing as talking about his producer's health, but I think between the combination of how hard the song went in general, and specifically referencing Push's girl's name, he did ramp it up. And I just don't think he knew. You know, I think it was a classic example. I, listen, I relate. I also am a uh, Jewish guy who has gotten in some squabbles where I say something one notch too far. And um, it feels like Drake went a little bit too far, and Pusha was like, oh, you're trying to go there? Oh, okay. And but, then it went really far. But, Peter, at some point, didn't – I mean, there's a business benefit to this. I don't want to always bring music back to business, but that is part of my background. Uh, when I look at this and I look at, at Pusha's response specifically – if he comes back soft or even reasonable and, and doesn't escalate this to this level, how many soccer moms are talking about it? But the fact is, he comes back so hard, so loud, so big that now all of a sudden, you know, your your soccer mom with the four kids in the back that doesn't even know who Pusha T is is like, "Ooh, I love drama." It, it sort of opens him up to a new audience. Oh, oh my God! Yeah, it was the second, really the second Drake made his record about Pusha. That was it for Pusha. Like now. Now the door is completely open for you to get more marketing and promotion for your album than you ever could have gotten otherwise, which says a lot considering it's not as if he's on an independent label with no one helping in his career. I mean, his album was helmed by Kanye West, which in spite of everything going on with Kanye, or, or maybe because of that, it's an incredible marketing machine. So there was already a lot of talk about Push's album, but it went up, you know, 10 times because of this. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't even think you could ever think about this and not remember how huge it was for Pusha. He went, here's the way I look at it. Uh, if it's over right now, I look at it as, you know, Drake, Drake and Pusha had a match, but it, it wasn't a title match, in my opinion, because Pusha, as great an MC as he is, based on where he's been success-wise recently, wasn't in, didn't have a title opportunity. Um, so Drake, I believe, still has a title. And then I think Kendrick has another title. And I think Pusha T is now a contender. And I don't think that before this, great as he was, he was an active contender. So here's my conspiracy theory, then. We'll take this one step farther. You mentioned, and, and you had... Uh 
tweeted and talked about the fact that uh, Drake ghost wrote a little bit on the, the new Kanye record. So now you have uh, Drake helping a Kanye artist. As much as we're talking about this drama and how could this happen between the two, any chance that maybe this was all just a manufactured moment with the understanding of what it could do for the popularity of the projects? Well, listen, I'm a wrestling fan, so I love all yes. these things. Um, I think that would be just as fun and juicy to find out as it being real. But no, no, I don't think so. I think the I think the feelings are very real. I think the resentment um, the resentment is very real. There, there's been weird stuff. I mean, there's so many layers to it. Obviously, there's been weird stuff between Pusha T and Cash Money for over a decade. And then on top of that, there's been back and forth weirdness between Drake and Kanye for some time as well. Um, like, if you remember, Kanye produced Find Your Love by Drake, and which is years ago now a decade ago now, and he also directed the video for Best I Ever Had. There is a relationship there, and things got screwy. Um, so, yeah, it would be a tremendous story if that was the case, but I just I don't think it's the case. Peter Rosenberg joining us of Hot 97 uh, Fame, also 98.7 ESPN New York. Um, listen, if it wasn't for Jay Prince ending this, I think that the whole beef got ended when a TMZ asked Drake's dad about Pusha T, and he said, I don't know anything about a Pusha T, and if I did, I would push their T. So nothing ends <laughs> a uh, battle no, quite like a no. terrible dad joke. Yeah, no, he actually said that. Um, but I do want to talk Ugh. about someone that you've mentioned a couple of times. He's kind of, in my household, become a bit of a Voldemort. Uh, he We do not name. Um, and that would be uh, Kanye, who is canceled mm-hmm. in, in my household. And i got to be honest with you, uh, Peter, I'm I'm frustrated with my folks. I'm frustrated with my folks because uh, the hypocrisy that is surrounding Kanye West right now uh, is is really hurting my feelings. Um, if a white person or someone that was not a person of color had said that slavery was a choice, uh, we as a community would do everything that we could to assure that that person not only didn't have a platform anymore, but that their life would be wrecked. Somehow Kanye gets a pass because, oh, he's Kanye being Kanye and, you know, mental disorder and he's a little off and, you know, you know Kanye, like he just kind of says whatever. I don't understand how he gets a total and complete pass um, for saying something that absolutely egregious and harmful to his own community. And I don't understand why not only are people rallying around him, why they're essentially just pretending like he didn't say it at all. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's been very disappointing for me to, um, I mean, here's the thing. Uh, there's, there's a couple of layers to it. Um, number one, people love Kanye, and he's given us many reasons to love him over the years, mostly musically, but with, including a few cultural moments. George Bush doesn't care about black people, um, depending which way you fall on the Taylor Swift thing. He's, he's, he's created some real cultural moments, and... You know, listen, he's arguably, in my opinion, the the most consistent rap artist ever in terms of his body of work. So people love him. Um, And my theory is that, like, you don't have to throw away someone you love permanently. You just don't have to celebrate them when they're in the middle of being an a-hole. And, like, Kanye is literally in the middle of it right now, and people ran out to Wyoming to celebrate him. It wasn't like, I, I've made this analogy a few times, but I'll make it one more time. It's like, if you've been in a relationship for a long time, and you love your partner, and there's nothing really your partner could do for you to leave them, but they cheat on you, and you find out, they come and tell you, and you're obviously heartbroken, 
And they're like, are you going to leave me? And you're like, no, I'm not going to leave you, but like seriously? And they're like, okay, well, since you're not going to leave me, can you come to my party in Wyoming next week? No, <laughs> not right now. <laughs> not right now. Like, and I, that's what the part that upset me the most. I'm not leaving Kanye forever. I'm giving him some room to at some point make some damn sense. But I'm just not celebrating you right now. I don't feel like listening to your album right now. I have not been able to really force myself to sit and listen to it. I don't know how I'll feel about the Cuddy one that's coming out. Um, so that, that's how I feel about it. But as far I mean, listen, people, people, got, people got offered a ticket to go out to Wyoming. They ran and did it. They, people got excited. Um, they, just, they just want to write it off and say it's great. They want to just hear the music and not think about it. Um, I, I don't understand it. You know, and yes, you're right. Had he had it been me who had decided I went on TMZ one day and was like, "Yo, you know what? I really think about slavery is mental. It's like a mental choice, really." I'm canceled. No one goes, "Oh yeah, Rosenberg was good for a long time on the radio. He really stood up on the right issues." Right. I'm upset with him right it's, now. I just won't listen for a little while, but I'll come back. No, no yeah, like, and, it hurts and I gotta it say, too. like Peter, I don't know, like what your relationships have been like in life, but my wife would not be like, you know what, we're good. We just need a little time. Like it doesn't. We've been together a long time. <laughs> she would still uh, like. She she would she would definitely attack my no no places papers. and then like the next day I'd be like oh all the locks are changed now I'm I'm house hunting so Here's like I think that's where I I sort of expect there's got to be a line uh, you know and it's one thing that I think artists are more aware of than people realize I think most artists at a very high level understand what they say is going to be over scrutinized so to to, to cross the line at that level uh, man uh, to me it feels like it's tougher to walk back to it than. Than it does to you, which which is different for everybody. On it, you know? it's painful for me too. You know, Peter, he was in my top five greatest MCs of all time. You know, and now I'm forced to turn to Fergie. Um, yeah, well, yeah, now I'm, it's I'm, I'm leaving. You guys um, finish the show by myself. <laughs> but you know, but like the the, but the, but the point is, sing. is that whether it's supposed to be for entertainment or not, something that egregious, like to me, I equivocate. Like you're cheating on me with. You know, I find out that you support a cause <laughs> that I'm very against, right? And I'm like, oh, I don't really like you right now. But you know, look at what you've done in terms of musically. And this was so beyond. This was this was so beyond crossing the line for you to minimize what Black people have gone through as a Black person from Chicago. For you to minimize it to that level, to sit up there, especially in the social climate that we're in right now, to take a page from the alt right book. For them to be literally applauding you, that should tell you plenty about what you said when the biggest racist and alt-right movement in the country are applauding you and making you their their black patsy. That should tell you the level of of immorality and what you said was so beyond wrong. This is not saying Tupac and Biggie both sucked as rappers. Uh, you know, like this isn't a controversial thing. This is... A difference between right and wrong and I just don't understand how not only fine you don't want to cancel whatever but immediately I mean it's like as if right away it just became a let's give him a pass because he's kind of effing crazy anyway and we would expect nothing less from Kanye it's it's BS to me no, me too listen I, I, I've been in the minority kind of still seeming angry about it uh, in my world too um, and it's it's I'm confused by it. I wish people had just a little bit, just a little bit of a moral compass. Like, just hold, even if it's someone you've loved, you must hold them accountable. I mean, here's the bottom line. He had his event in Wyoming. He didn't explain anything at that event. He didn't grab the mic and be like, you know what, I want to talk about a few things that happened. He had Candace Owens at the event. Like, that's it's still going. You can't, uh, by the way, I, I should have updated, I should have updated that uh, analogy to 
They want to know if you come to the party. Oh, by the way, I'm still cheating. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> right. Come meet my mistress. Right, because I'm still because he's still doing it right now. So I'm just not in the mood for it. Um, you know, the, the, he'll have an album with Cuddy. He'll have an album with Nas next week or whatever. And then Tiana Taylor, whatever. Um, maybe one day I'll find the music entertaining. Right now, uh, I don't have time for it. On my show on Complex, Open Late, um, I have an interview with Vic Mensa, who has a really close relationship with Kanye over time. Kanye's a mentor, big brother character to him. And um, he really holds Kanye accountable in a, in a way that I find uh, really fair. So if, you, if you're hearing this, check it out. Go to Complex's YouTube page and check out my Open Late with uh, Vic Mensa. You can also check Peter out on ESPN 98.7 FM, Hot 97, all over the place. And don't forget the Cheap Heat uh, podcast. It's all out there. Peter, we appreciate your time. Yeah, man. Thanks for hanging out with us, man. Thanks, guys. I appreciate some good old nerdy hip-hop talk. I enjoy it. By the <laughs> way, Al, I, he shouldn't have been in your top five anyway. Let's just be realistic. I, <laughs> top five artists. Yes, MCs. Yeah, not MCs. I went a little. Artists. I got a little cute. Let me just tell you this. No. Let me leave you this little nugget as I on my way out because listen, I'm from Atlanta and I and that's fine. But I still find that if I was from anywhere, you know, my number one rapper of all time, mm. Peter Rosenberg, is Three Stacks. Well, listen, safe listen, answer I'm sorry. any party. Right? Like, listen, name somebody else who has more impact with just a couple of bars than three stacks. I dare you. You haven't heard my I, my sweet, sweet flow. Uh, Follow on Twitter at Rosenberg Radio. <laughs> uh, Peter, thanks for the time, thanks, man. Guys. We appreciate it. <laughs> Bye. Cheers. You already know what it is, man. It's your boy Axel Leon, a.k.a. Young Hugo. And now you're checking out LM Fitz talk about music on ESPN. Great stuff from Peter. Also, uh, we're going to talk to a former NBA player in uh, just a couple of minutes that I think as much as uh, L, sometimes I feel like everywhere I look, uh, ESPN fans are, are they're just stuck with us. Like I feel, between the two of us, I feel like right now we are on every platform in every possible spot. We are outdone by the guy that's going to join us in a little bit because I'm telling you. He's on every single show in every year. Like, like there's nobody working harder. Oh yeah, he pops up uh, everywhere. So we'll get to him in a minute, uh, to, to get a little bit of NBA flavor. That's called a tease. But uh, before we get there, let's talk a little bit of NBA beef. Uh, at this point, you know, I think the finals has a sort of desperately looking forward, right? The, the, there, there's a point. This is the analogy I made the other day on Spain and Fitz, which you can listen to Monday through Friday, six to nine PM Eastern on ESPN radio. Uh, so I was telling Sarah that. You know, sometimes you go on those vacations, right? And right. at Christmas time, you'll be like, you know what, babe? Instead of big presents at Christmas, let's go to Mexico. We're going to take a vacation. We'll take two weeks early in December. We'll mm-hmm. take this whole – and you do that, and then you wake up Christmas Day, and you're like, oh, Christmas kind of sucks. Even though the whole time you're like, but we're going on the vacation, and that's why we're not going to do anything on Christmas. That's where I've been on the NBA Finals because we were so sold that the Western Conference Final was going to be Christmas – well, we got that. We got it early, though, and now we're stuck, you know, watching it. We've watched a Cavs series that at this point has been a letdown. So the only thing left for us to really look for in the NBA is beef, right? Like, so now we're, we're automatically, we're putting our eyes towards free agency to figure out who's going to go where so that we can create some new level of who hates who and who loves who because it gives us something to look forward to. I mean, that's true, but like when, when the center of the NBA beef at this point is a guy who has no identifiable role, that being Kendrick Perkins, like no one can answer <laughs> that for me. What is his job role? What on his W2 this year is he going to put as his job title? Cause he did play in the G League. He played for about 15 minutes in the regular season for the Cavs. 
He doesn't get a warm-up. He's not like a DNP. He's not on their roster. What the hell does he do? He doesn't hold a clipboard. I don't think he's a coach. I'm not really sure what he's doing, except he's an, for he's agitating an enforcer. people. He's an enforcer. A vocal enforcer. That's a, that's exactly what he's there there to do. Whatever he's doing isn't working because the Cavs obviously are, are losing. And as, as we tape this now, it looks like it's an inevitable ending to the NBA Finals. Uh, but I will say this. you know, We saw before Game 3 that he did come in 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 clothes for once like it looked like he might get a warm-up before game three i thought they might put him in for one reason just to see if they could get draymond to to lose control just to see because draymond he's been in draymond's head think about the end of game one where you know he's making all the cheerleader pom-pom mm-hmm. motions at kendrick and then you think about uh, game two and it was draymond that was all yelling about how upset they were that he wouldn't move his feet for steph and i mean i could see putting him in just to see if he could piss a guy off enough to create some sort of reaction I mean, I guess, but like that should tell you plenty. Like they're not even using him as an enforcer. They're like, we just don't even have an extra jersey for you. Like, you know, which is funny because like you could just go to the team store and get one made. Like we don't have a jersey so for you. you really like, think they have a Kendrick to, Perkins get, team store? No, jersey? no, no. You go down to the customizable section. Oh. And be like, what jersey? What number does Kendrick want tonight? Like that's how they should put him in the game. What's He's, your favorite number, K Perk? But they still gotta make, he still gotta pay for it. Like he gets the employee discount, like 20% off or whatever, but he still gotta buy the jersey if he wants to play that night. He gets he his, dis- his money on he it. He gets his discount. I love that. And like, listen, He's the truth pulling is. pulling out the employee card. Yeah. He's like, hey y'all, do I get a discount on this thing? Can I, here's my ID badge. Like, can I get <laughs> the discount? No, I play for awesome. the team. Yeah. Google it. And it's oh. like, no, you don't play for him. No, Google it. I do. No, I'm, that's me on the bench in the, in the, uh, suit. Um, I will say this though, in a NBA that is just filled with people that love each other and like pretend that they don't like each other, but actually really love each other. It's nice to have someone, um, at least like Kendrick, who is so clearly not friends with any of these people. But my question for you is when you look at like the wide scope of the NBA, um, and the many, many, many years of legitimate beef that we've seen, what would you say is your personal favorite beef all time? In the okay. NBA? So I'm going to go back to when I was a kid. And okay. so when I was a little kid, um, there was this moment for me. I grew up in Vegas, and so I grew up a Lakers fan. Uh, and I would not call myself a diehard Lakers fan over the years. I'm, j- I'm just a Lakers fan. Like, so it's good when they're good, and it's fine when they're like. I just I love the NBA for for you know the NBA. I don't really have a favorite team, but in that era, the the Jordan era specifically, the Lakers and and Jordan were always sort of battling. What I kept an eye on, and what was totally inspirational to me though, was Bill Ambeer specifically against Michael Jordan. Like that was. That was a Bill Ambeer against anybody. That Pistons I was just team. I had so many. That Pistons team against everybody was so easy to hate, and they played so dirty. And the funny thing is, if if Bill Ambeer came out today and tried to do that, he'd get knocked on his butt. He oh, was yeah. so much bigger than everybody then, and now he's just a twig and yeah, and a field. Time. He's a twig and a field. Not uh, he's just a twig. Yeah. Call back to your previous I twig. See. Uh, yeah. So, what was your favorite beef? So I'm actually going to stick with the Lakers, but because, you know, I'm very petty. I'm a very petty person. My favorite beef <laughs> of all time in the NBA, because it is so incredibly petty, is Kobe versus Shaq. I 100% loved every part of that rivalry just because it was so ridiculous. It's like, you know, with Kobe throwing Shaq under the bus, like he cheats on his wife, too. I mean, it's a beef that gave us tell me how my <laughs> tastes and... <laughs> Which is one of the greatest diss records of all time. And I don't know if you have to beep that out, Kyrie, which is fine if you have to do that. But, like, if it's name another beef that has ended in this kind of ridiculous rap. Oh, okay, so you are absolutely right. Here's the reason I don't love that beef. Because, like I said, 
grew up a big Lakers fan. And frankly, uh, my favorite NBA player of my lifetime is Kobe Bryant. And I don't feel like Kobe won that beef. So I always he didn't because sort of, he came off like right. a B word. I know, I know he did. He did. So that one's tough that. for me. It's, it's tough for me because like, so this is a weird part of my personality. I'm going to admit there's some weird things in my, in my life. One of them is my penchant for the other guy. So like as a kid, when I would watch the Bulls, I was never really rooting for Michael Jordan. I like Scottie Pippen better than I like Michael okay. Jordan. Like as, as, a, as, as a Lakers kid, it wasn't like I would have taken James Worthy over Magic Johnson any day. You know, I took Kobe over Shaq. I prefer Slash to Axel. Like I, I like Richie Sambora. I don't really like John Bon Jovi. So if you Blast take me. Richie Sambora away from Bon Jovi, I don't want to see him. So he, wait, 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 wait a minute though. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Fitz, wait. Mm-hmm. Lost and all. Did you just say? Did you just say right here on this podcast that Kobe played second fiddle to Shaq? I don't want to talk about him. I Wait, we, did he? Kyrie, we all did he know just the answer say, to that. We all know the answer to that. Did he just say that Kobe was one B and Shaq was one A? I'll admit that. I'll admit that. But you know what? You know what? I'll also admit at the same time. I'll admit that my problem. My, here's my problem, Shaq. All right, listen to li, li, just. Sit down, shut up, and listen to a lecture from a little white guy for a second, Shaq. Shooting free throws is something you can learn how to do. Like, you can teach <laughs> you any child free throw to defense. shoot free throws. All I'm asking you to do is care enough about your profession that oh, you spend a few God. hours in the damn gym and learn how to shoot a free throw. You know how tiring Hack-A-Shack was to watch for a Lakers fan? When it was like, I know what's coming, Kobe knows it's coming, and you know what's coming, but you're too busy eating all summer to, to practice your free throws. Yep, there's you we can do savage. That that I, is incredible. I gotta say, I'm sorry, not to cut no, you go off ahead, now, Kyrie. Uh, I think I have a beef, an all time beef that that trumps both of those, though. Oh, oh, oh here we go. Because without Grandmama Larry Johnson and Alonzo Mourning going at it when it was the Knicks versus the Heat, we don't get Jeff Van Gundy holding on to Alonzo Mourning's leg. That was the most incredible that was video awesome. of all and you, time. You did bring Larry Johnson in. I grew up get again in Vegas as a kid. Larry Johnson, not my favorite running rebel. Stacy Ogman was. Always like the other guy. <laughs> oh my god. I always like the other guy. Said no one ever, dude. Said me and man, I went to a, a Boise State UNLV game, UNLV game years ago in Boise State. I had a day off on the road, go to the game. Stacy Ogman was a, like a, an assistant coach for the Rebels at that time. And I was sitting like three rows behind him and the whole time I was like, I should ask for a picture. I should ask for a picture. That's how much of a Stacey Ogman fan I am. <laughs> I love you so much. I feel that way when someone asks me who my favorite NFL player all time is, and I, I you know, unequivocally, unequivocally always say Rod Smith. And people are like, what? Excuse really? me? Rod Smith is my favorite player of all time. I mean, I'm a huge Broncos fan. And, like, you know, to me, your favorite Blah. player is the person that has just, like, the the biggest mark on you, like leaves the biggest mark on you. And like I was young and watching Rod Smith and I just loved his style and I played sports too. And his just can do, but carefree attitude when it came to these incredible feats, I loved him. And so people always look at me like I've got three eyes when I say that, but they don't always have to be a hall of famer or a goat. They don't have to have the biggest numbers in the world. Like there's just things that resonate with you. And I loved his like, you know, undrafted free agent background coming from nowhere and just being who he was. He was incredible for my team. Kyrie, I do have to ask you, can you have an all-time beef when you play a character named Grandmama? Yeah. I don't know. I think, you, like, you lose a little street cred right there. That's true, but Shaq did play, was it Kazam? Yeah. Which is why Shaq, again, so you know, bad. non-free throw shooting son of a bee that he is, that's why Shaq... Uh, was never going to be my favorite. That's why I'm all I'm all in on Kobe. I wonder if Ryan Hollins had like 
Uh, he seems like a really nice guy. I wonder if he had a legitimate beef with anyone in his time in the league. I think Ryan Hollins is the only guy that works more than than the two of us combined. L and uh, and he's got like sixty three kids. I mean, that's <laughs> wow. Uh, Hollins, who is your biggest NBA beef with? I don't think I had like a, a big like I'm a lover, not a fighter, and and it, and it's funny when I hear any NBA uh, fights or like like guys get it like. Like, dude, you really don't want to fight. It's not realistic. We make too much money. Like, like you can't be mad now. There are definitely emotional moments, but like, you seriously can't have like a like a real beef, okay? Like, Tristan and Draymond are not going to see each other in the summertime and scrap. Like, it's not happening, okay? Now, maybe the old NBA because dudes were still gang banging and playing basketball somehow. But this NBA, no, 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 no. We we wear skinny jeans and cardigans. There's no real fighting going on. He does have a point on the outfit of choice. 100%. It's so bad. Um, Ryan, when you, so for those of you that are listening that have never seen Ryan Hollins, he had a very long, decade long career in the NBA. But if you've, if you don't know anything about Ryan Hollins and you just look at Ryan Hollins, he looks like he just came fresh out of the NCAA tournament. So when you were playing Ryan, did you used to, cause I imagine like you guys are out there talking your ish and you're doing your thing. Like, what did you used to hear the most from people when they would try to get under your skin? Well, it's like a common kind of like big man beef because we're always supposed to be physical. So, like, it always starts like this and, and, and fits as much like the, the, the weekend warrior stuff. Hey, stop hitting me. Nah, you don't hit me. Well, I'll do it again. Well, I'll do it again. <laughs> like, so childish. All right. We'll see. All right check out the next play. No, okay, we'll see the next play. Like, like that's kind of like it, like, it builds up. It's very, like, elementary, like I, I can say. Like, you know, when you get into it with somebody and then you end up, you know, taking it out more than likely on the basketball court and, you know, either improving your play or diminishing your play. Like, I grew up playing, like, on the outside court. So, like, yeah, th- this was borderline a fight or not a fight growing up for me, so... That always spurred me on to play my best basketball. It was like, okay, time to wake up once somebody said something to me. But that's just like part of the game. Like if you watch Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant's a throwback. He talks a lot of trash. Does Kevin ultimately want to fight anybody? Kevin hasn't been in one NBA fight, but he's talked a lot of trash. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But that's just that's like an NBA, like I don't even want to say NBA, like that's a playground type of culture. You know, and if you came from that type of basketball, you had to – hold your own on hold down the courts like you've definitely been in a couple either fights or just kind of like trash talking sessions coming up but like it's part of the game like that's what we love like i don't know about you guys but like i don't want that taken out of the game that's real raw emotion we're talking to uh ryan hollins on ellen fitz talking music and ryan we'll get to a music question for you in a second but first i'm a hugger so (laughs) like what do you think like i'm thinking right before like if somebody's getting heated in the lane maybe i just walk up and give them a big old hug on a national tv broadcast would that uh would that go over could i could i hug durant and hug the hug the anger out of him and not get to creepy uh, maybe um if if you that hug might be mistaken for a slap and you might take a a a two-piece to the chin now now (laughs) that is dangerous because in, in an nba fight you will have lost if you take the first punch you have now lost the fight because everybody now has rushed in to break it up. So it's even more realistic not to fight. You know, it's, it's something funny that I always say, like, if you guys are going to fight, you're just going to fight. Because in the NBA, if you talk, 
you allow time for everybody to run in and go, oh, no, don't, don't, it's not worth it, it's not worth it. So you're really not serious about fighting. Like, the people you needed to worry about are the ones that don't say anything, that, like, you bump them and they just give you a look in the face like, <laughs> it's on. <laughs> you don't want that. I actually, I'm going to, I hate being this person. Like, this is kind of like what page six does when they're like, we're not going to tell you any names. But I actually hosted a celebrity football game where a Uh-oh. current football player got so upset that a current very popular rapper, like, smacked him on the butt. Like, you know, was like, yeah, you know, messing with him, smacked him on the butt, that he threatened to go get a knife out of the car and stab him. And actually proceeded to walk to the car, and we had to shut the entire thing down. You need to, like, I need you to go go with, like, because the fact is, like, I would at a a game, I'd slap, hug, and... and, Yeah, I mean, that's what you do. Like, he was like, ah, better like next time. Smacked him on the butt, all in good fun. It was for charity. And this person literally threatened murder. I mean, one of my favorite things to do in the calf is just walk up and unnecessarily hug people and tell everybody's uncomfortable. I, I mean, I'm not oh going to get invited God. to these things. Fitz is going to be in the Time's Up movement yeah. any day now. Uh, there we go. No, no, no. Just, L, L, yeah. Keep it 100. I, I know you ain't having no podcast and you're not keeping it a buck. These new type of rappers, these new style rappers, you got to watch out. If they slapping you on the butt, hey, ho, ho, ho. Yo, ho, ho. wait a minute, though. I didn't say he was a new style rapper. He's oh, just a significant oh, rapper that's been around for a long time. Trust me when I say there's no concern about funny business. Like, this was just this particular football player taking exception to something as innocuous as getting slapped on the butt during a football game. Wow. Uh, so He might have a rep out there, L. Oh, he does. That's what I'm saying. If I told you who the player was, you'd go, oh, this makes perfect sense. I'll tell you offline. So Holland's... Uh, I, think it, I think it was more the rapper I'm worried about, but I'll, all right, you, you, got me, you got me in now. <laughs> so uh, since we are a music podcast, uh, before the game, what did you listen to to get hype? Man, you know, it's crazy. This is crazy. And like you guys know, like it's it's it, you guys put me on the spot, and it's hard for me to lie at all. I'm, I don't want to lie. I don't want to make up anything. But now I got to explain my whole story since it's a music podcast, and that's what you really want. So when I was younger in my career, okay, young and dumb and ignorant, I would drive around in college with my big old fifteen sound woofers, fifteens in the back, and, and and bang, you know, whatever rap or music. Uh, at the time, some Jay-Z, Scarface, some whatever, some some Jeezy, you know, my first years in the league. And it was just like every time I got in the car, I had this thing. Like I would have to be playing my most aggressive music on 100%, like all the time, bang, 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 bang. And I remember driving home from a practice one day in Cleveland when I played for the Cavs, and it's like going like like after practice, like, gosh, I have a headache. Like, why are you listening to this? What is going on? And further on in my career, as I, I really started to divulge into rap, I actually don't listen to rap anymore. I have a love. I have an appreciation for it. But I don't listen to rap. And when I made that choice, I had about two years left in the league. So it would be weird. I would be coming to the game listening to, like, some classical music or some R&B like, I don't, I, I mean, I still get hyped. I get turnt when I hear the songs, don't get me wrong, but you won't catch it in my playlist. But if I hear it, you know, I'll bob my head to it. I, I, I pretty much hear things second half, you know, second second hand now, but the second years in the league, me getting my energy was more of a, I, I guess it, it, I'm going to a whole other place. So 
when I played with Kevin Garnett, he always he taught me now that to have these big emotional, uh, I guess, bursts, they're very managed. You, it's no way, and I think this is a fault of mine into any young player, that you're going to be hyped four hours before the game and somehow that's going to sustain during the game. You need to actually calculate when you use your emotions and when you're yelling and screaming and using that, otherwise you burn yourself out. And when I think back and realize I would burn myself out before we even got to the game, I, I was already too turned. You know, so for me, it was relaxing before games and then turning it on when I needed, but I had the maturity at that point to actually know when I needed to use my energy in the right places, and I knew how to, like, get there. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, and, and to me, it's a skill we even use on set now or that I use now because I know when I come to speak, I need to – I could come out of a cold sleep from what I've learned in the NBA and turn it on and, and give you guys something. That's just that's just part of it, you know? So I don't know if I've, I've bored you guys to death, if I make any type of sense with what I'm saying. No, I think, I think what I'm, what I'm gleaning from what you just said is you took a circuitous route to basically say what you listened to before games was Taylor Swift. So <laughs> that's In essentially so what many I, words. That's what everything. No, but and the haters gonna hate. I will say it's funny. It's funny you say that because you know we get the chance to see each other in the halls. Everybody that works at ESPN. And one of the interesting things I was saying to somebody else about Ryan the other day was that uh, I I respect the fact that in the halls, totally normal, very quiet, very sort of you know measured, and and then the microphone comes on. He's like, bam, I'm on, whoa. And I think that's a that's an important skill. So now I find out where you got it from. Look at that, Ryan Hollins. And by the way, the number of times I'm at the gym here working out, and I've got like classical music blaring, I'm, I'm not even I'm not even ashamed of it anymore. I'll be like, yeah, that this is good, it's good stuff, you know. But but I do feel like absolutely, yeah, I'm all in. Elle's looking at me like she always looks at me. I'm just by laughing. The end of this I'm podcast. like I'm like Ryan. You, you know, you're co-signing with a fiddler. Like that's why he likes classical music. He's like, well, I wonder what I could do with the fiddle uh, with that no. particular. You know what? You know what? Elle, just with that arrangement. Elle's still fiddle. mad that I said that Luther Vandross only has an okay Bruh, voice. Ryan Hollins, just at, before we let you go. Because as a black person, this has to be blasphemous. Oh, it's got to be black or white Correct. with Luther Vandross. One hundred percent, because he is. A, Jason Fitz had the nerve to say that Luther Vandross is just aight. what's wrong, bro? No, thank it's, you. I mean, he's okay. Like, I'm not, he's just okay. Thank you. Wait, did wait? Did we give? It's a hood pass because I don't feel like the black collective met about that. No, yet. I don't. Yeah, I don't think I don't think I've ever gotten a, a hood pass. Hey, but, man. hey I went to oh, I went to man. high school in PG County. All right, there that's got to go. count for something. Hey, Prince George, hey, L, he was he was halfway there with the arm tat. Yeah, he he really is. He does have sleeves. He does. He does have sleeves. Sleeved up. There's a lot of aggression. Listen, we still have a couple months left in the summer. We're going to do everything we can to get Jason Fitz invited to the cookout. I just have to figure out a good lane for him, but he's certainly not going to get into anybody's cookout by flaming Luther. Wait, like there's one, is there one big cookout? Yes, there is one collective monolith cookout that, fantastic. Yes, that we would like to extend an offer to you, but you do have to do your part. If I get that offer, I will, I will reciprocate and allow you guys to come to the bowling event that obviously happens for all (laughs) Southern white people. That's, that's what happens. Hey, you guys, Follow him on Twitter at the Ryan Hollins. Ryan, man, you're doing great work. Oh we appreciate God. your time, man. Thanks for hanging out with us. <laughs> hey, anytime. You know it. My two favorite people. Uh, uh, take bye, it easy, Ryan. brother. <laughs>
I'm not sure how we got off the rails there. A bowling event and a cookout. They can't take place on the same weekend, though. I've got a very busy uh, summer schedule. I, I've got to check Taylor Swift's concert schedule. I know see. that you do. It's yeah. okay. Everybody likes a little T-Swift in their life, just not when she's trying to do Earth, Wind, and Fire. No, that's a that's fair, where you that is a fair point. There's a line for stop everybody. It. You know, Line I, crossed. I was okay on all the other stuff. That was the one where I was like, eh. And can we just say, by the way, I'm not going to just throw her under the, under the bus. Weezer just did a remake of Africa, Toto. Oh, uh, no. Oh, that's one of the great. That's one of my favorite eighty songs of all time. And here's my problem with it: when you listen to it, it's not Weezer doing it; it's Weezer basically just replaying their version. It's a lot of the similar sounds, it's the similar tones. They did the same harmonies, they sang it all the same. So they basically repurposed it. Like I'm not gonna lie, I really like Weezer. I saw Weezer and Foo Fighters in concert years ago, and like it was a dope concert. But Africa even has like that really cool yeah. like synth solo in the middle that's dun, incredibly dun, dun, difficult. Dun, 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 dun. And they didn't. They didn't put it on guitar or anything like they didn't affect it or make it different they just basically went in it's like doing a shot for shot remake of a movie you know 10 years later and trying to make it look sound feel and, and the exact same it's total it's like waste a, yeah, it's like being a cover band as yeah. opposed to like a tribute band right i wanted to see weezer i was excited to listen to it because i was like this is gonna be cool weezer's gonna do something different with it all you did was disappoint america weezer with oh, Africa. No, I'll have to listen to that. No, 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 you don't want to. That's the whole point. Uh, keep on hanging out with us. Uh, you can get to her on Twitter at L Duncan ESPN. I'm at Jason Fitz. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with more, uh, more music coming at you as we continue to do, but hit us with your favorites or ideas you want us to talk about. You know that we're out here uh, doing this for, uh, for the love of it, but also doing it uh, for you guys. And don't forget Shake Shack. You know you want to sponsor this thing. Come on, Shawty. And if not Shay Shack, McDonald's, oh, Taco Wendy's? Bell, Wendy's. KFC, Wendy's, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hell, just Sonic. Think, just think we could have said, Ryan Holland's coming to you on the insert company name here hotline brought to you by insert company name here. See how that works? Red Robin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. We'll leave you on that <laughs> crazy note. Thanks for hanging out. Kyrie, great job as always. Thanks for hanging out with us.